Hey, Blenders, on this week's show, we give our final Oscar predictions. Everything Everywhere All at Once hits theaters. And our guest is Mary Diallo talking about her new movie, Master. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit make these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the super light tree runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the super light tree runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a super light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hello, Blenders, and welcome, welcome to episode number 206 of Real Blend, a podcast that will give away the Oscar for best score live on this week's show. So get Hans Zimmer on line two, please. Somebody has uh, on to. This week's, yeah, really? On this week's show, we are, we're going to give our final Oscar predictions. Uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. It's theaters, uh, and Jake and I really want to get into it. Without spoilers, unfortunately, because Gabe didn't get a chance to see it. Uh, and then Miriam, uh, Miriamma. Diallo, let me try that again. Mariama Diallo is going to be joining the show to discuss her new film, Master. Very excited to have her on the show. Uh, very exciting movie that you guys need to be paying attention to. Uh, by joining us on the show, I do mean, let's start with Jake Hamilton of Fox 32 in Chicago. Jake, it's been a long time, sir. How are you? You know what hasn't been a long time? Yes. Is since I won the Oscar poll. You know what has been a long time is since anyone else has won the Oscar poll. So you won the last two? Is that last what we're two. trying to say? Yeah, last, last two. two. Mm. All and right. There's a punishment involved. Gabe, are you making picks this week? I am not making. Hello, I'm Gabe. I produce the show. <laughs> <laughs> what well, what a lackluster introduction! No, no, no. I was going to get to you. What in a lackluster introduction! <laughs> yes, but I had a question for you first. This is Gabe oh, Kovach, the oh, producer oh. of the show. Hello. Who is sitting in for Kevin? Hi, Gabe. Yes, I, I am not making. I, I mean, I can let you know my thoughts as we go. But as far as the yeah. wager is concerned. Kevin is not with us. He is busy today and we needed to we needed to record. We've been gone for too long. Yeah. Um, so he will be back for the premium episode. We're doing a special premium episode uh, for those listeners 
we are saving that for a time when we're all available. Um, but I'm filling in with him this week and I have his picks. So he will be, he has made his picks. He will be a part of the wager as usual. Um, I want to point out that uh, I admire your inability to treat art as sport, Gabe, uh, and how you don't like to hit things against each other or or choose ratings for certain things. And I have over the years gradually drifted more toward your side and and now find the well, welcome back to the dark side, brother. uh, Icky. Yes. (laughs) Primarily because when we discuss competitions like this, uh, I end up losing badly. So we're going to get to get to our Oscar predictions in a minute. Uh, Let me start with a bit of housekeeping this week. And uh, the guys are nice enough to give me some uninterrupted time so I could talk briefly about my review of Turning Red, which many of you might have heard about uh, over the past couple of weeks. So it goes without saying I wanted to get this out of the way right off the front that the review that I wrote uh, for Turning Red for Pixar's latest film and that I allowed to get published on Cinema Blend was just it was terrible. It was uh, the review was dismissive in tone, which I'm really disappointed at. And it lacked um, substantial criticism, which I was, uh, again, equally disappointed at. Uh, I definitely could have done better on that instance. And so Cinema Blend as a whole uh, is actively working together as a staff to to implement new editorial changes that we know are going to make the site uh, much, much better and make sure that the content that's reaching you guys on a regular basis uh, isn't reflective of anything that came through in that review. We definitely hope to share some information uh, about those new editorial changes uh, very soon. So in the days and weeks that that followed the Turning Red review going live, I was really fortunate enough to hear from uh, a lot of trusted colleagues, but also you guys. I heard from the Blenders uh, who gave your candid reactions to the review. Uh, and just know that if you sent me a note, uh, and I took every single thing that was sent to me uh, to heart because I really appreciate people who took the time to to reach out and just see how I was doing and to let me know really honestly how they felt about the review uh, and it's my my hope that I'm going to use all those notes to, uh, you know, take a few steps back and and definitely reevaluate how I process media and and uh, and and use that feedback uh, to improve, not just as a critic, but as someone who uh, communicates through a podcast on a weekly basis and and through the written word on Cinema Blend. All of this is a is extremely valuable feedback. And it's a really great and important lesson, because, uh, as you guys know, over the past uh, 200 plus episodes of Real Blend, we have sought to use this platform uh, as a way to champion films and stories from from every different type of filmmaker. And, and I hope that you guys know that that's a goal that we are going to uh, continue to do here at Rebel is to celebrate every type of film from any and all types of filmmakers, uh, which is something we've been doing since the awards blend days. And it's something we're absolutely going to continue to push to do. Uh, through our criticisms and through the interviews that we hold. And this week, I am very excited to introduce as our guest, writer-director Mariama Diallo, who has a new film, Master, coming to Amazon. It is a a very tense thriller uh, that centers around two different women who are arriving on a college campus uh, and through their different responsibilities in the film are encountering uh, very different types of demons. And the way that you interpret the word demons is going to lead into uh, how you interpret the film and the way that it plays out. So uh, she has great stories about her production process, filming in the time of COVID, working with this great ensemble. Uh, so without further ado, this is Mary Amadiallo talking about her new film, Master. So we are a filmmaker podcast. We love getting into the nuts and bolts of your production process. Um, and But I need to start with a very strange question off the bat, a very specific question. Um, the number 33 uh, carries a, a lot of weight with me. It's something that I see everywhere, and it usually is a sign of something. And so there's a moment when Jasmine wakes up, when the digital alarm clock reads 333, and 
it freaked me out. <laughs> and so I just need to know if there was a deliberate reason for you choosing it, if the number means anything to you also. Well, you know, what's really interesting is that I was also in a Q&A um, recently. And, you know, for me, I, I thought I found it to just be a compelling sequence of numbers. And I knew that there would be this recurring theme of Jasmine waking up at a certain time. Um, but I, I hadn't really imagined, uh, you know, a deeper significance outside of the film for that. Um, but one of the people in the Q&A approached me afterwards and said that uh, she was sure that I had done it for a specific reason. She was a, a practitioner, I guess, of numerology. And she told me that the number three um, is the number of the ancestors. And it means that you are being called by the ancestors, which I found oh. very, very interesting. And, wow. you know, not something that I had intended to be there but i think that you know for one way or another it, it worked its way in you know <laughs> that's very cool yeah yeah that's cool i love that and i love that it's so I'm, I'm i'm super fascinated by the idea of when a filmmaker makes their first feature um i know you've worked obviously in short films uh and and, and i just find this interesting to me because at the end of the day when you look at your filmography in 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 general years from now this will be your first feature um and i wonder like do you think about that in terms of like what the first feature says about you as a director and kind of like what the first feature will mean to your to your filmography is there a, a reason why you wanted this one to be your first well, you know, I think uh, part of it is a happy accident, honestly, because um, I I write constantly. And around the time that I was writing Master, I was just really churning out um, scripts and, and, and working on all of these ideas that were compelling to me. And Master was the most recent script that I had written and really cared about. Uh, that coincided with the time that uh, my short Hair Wolf played at Sundance. Mm -hmm. And so when I was asked that, you know, very, very common question, what's next? I you know, <laughs> brought out Master and I said, well, I just wrote this and here it is. But it's also, you know, it's really fortunate because of everything that I had written up to that point, it was definitely the most personal. And mm -hmm. um, it's uh, it truly is in some ways uh, uh, a too personal almost I'm like oh my god I really I really put a lot out there it's very vulnerable but I'm very glad that it is you know my first feature because I think that it um it tells a lot of the story of who I am and mm -hmm. um and how I think and um and what's interesting to me and and sort of what I came out of so um mm -hmm. I think that for a few first feature it's probably the most emblematic uh not only of some of my you know, creative ideas and intentions, but also just my own, my own history. But that's, I would love to follow up on that and drill down a little bit more if you could, because coincidentally, I have a 17 year old who's leaving for college in, in the fall. And so, you know, it's, we talk a lot about on the show that it's really funny when you, when you get to certain movies at different times in your life and how, you know, the, the movie never changes, but you do. And, and you might see it through different lenses. Um, so I was curious when you were writing this screenplay, how much of it you were writing from personal experiences of things that you encountered, um, especially with Jasmine just running into a lot of the societal things that make you feel extra pressure when you're trying to be the new person at a new school. Yeah, um, certainly, you know, there's a lot there's a lot that I share in common with the character of Jasmine. Um, fortunately, 
Um, you know, the, the more uh, intense and pressurized parts of her experience that we see over the course of the film are not things that I directly experienced. And, you know, in true movie fashion, it's really taken to the extreme. Um, but on the, you know, on the level of the texture and the kinds of interactions and, you know, the kinds of barbs and darts that she is sort of constantly navigating, um, those were things taken from real life um, and uh, definitely, you know, stuff that I drew from, from my own experience and the experience of my friends and, and other people who I knew just existing in that kind of space. Um, and there could have been a lot more, you know, but, um, but I even, I even pulled them back. So uh, if it, if it seems like it's a lot, uh, it's, it's actually not. <laughs> the scene, the scene where she's at the party and all of a sudden she's surrounded by everybody as they're singing, like, that's when I wanted to just reach to the screen and like help her. <laughs> I know. The parent, yeah. The parent in me kicked in and I was like, oh my God, get out of that situation, please. Really, it's really funny because when we were um, working on the film and we were testing it um, for different audiences, we had a focus group after one of the screenings and we had somebody in the test audience who had a daughter who was about to uh, apply to colleges. And I really, really liked this person. She was basically there with, you know, a, a pad of paper and a pen and was, you know, they'd ask her questions about the film or this and that and say, okay, well, are you a horror fan? She'd say, no, I'm just like, this is just research for my daughter. I'm just taking notes and trying to see where she should go and where she shouldn't go. <laughs> you know, Mary Emma, um, one of the things I find interesting, you were talking about this earlier in the first answer uh, to my quite about the idea of you should put yourself into the actual story almost too much. Um, and, I, and I wonder cathartically as you make the film and as you direct the story and write the story, how does it help you deal with your, anything that you have in your own life? And you since you mentioned like you putting yourself into the story, do you find it cathartic? Did you work things out that were like, that were kind of not worked out prior? Like, do you feel like a different person after kind of like putting it through this process? Yeah, certainly. You know, the, the thing that was interesting is that uh, going into it and throughout the writing process, I felt a lot more aligned um, with Gail. I felt like mm -hmm. I was I was really seeing uh, the world of the film through Gail's eyes, which is funny because, you know, the, the more direct correlate to what I had gone through was, you know, Jasmine, who's an actual undergraduate there. I've never, you know, been a professor at a school like that. Um, but I, I think that I, I had, uh, I had been distancing myself from the, the core of, of my experience as an undergrad. And, and even in the writing, you know, I, I felt like Gail, I felt as if I were, you know, how Gail is observing Jasmine and understanding some things about her and, and seeing that she's in trouble, but not entirely knowing how to help her or what to do. I felt mm. in the same way that I was looking at this younger version of myself and, you, you know, I was uncovering things that I had suppressed uh, mm. when I was going through it. You know, I think that it was uh, it, it was a it was a very sort of layered and, and complicated experience for me as an undergraduate mm. because there was a lot that was very pleasant. There was a lot that was really wonderful that came out of that experience. I met my very very best friends and I met amazing professors, some of whom I'm in touch with today, and I grew 
But in order to go through that in a space like that and graduate with, you know, most of my sanity, I also, <laughs> I also had to discard all kinds of, you know, information that was coming at me that was super detrimental. And, huh. and so I think that the process of writing and making the film required me to go back there and to look at stuff that I had been purposefully ignoring the first time I went through it. And so that was incredibly, you know, it was challenging, but it was also really therapeutic because I think that there's, there's a way in which it wasn't, my story wasn't complete after I graduated because I wasn't, I hadn't looked it square in the eye. And I mm. really had to do that when I was making this film. And, and so I definitely feel released. <laughs> I feel released from that now having, having gone through this whole journey. That's so interesting. That you were able to get that therapeutic experience yeah, while I making know. your first feature. That's awesome. Yeah. People look for, for that everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, um, for I want to Yeah. Well, without paying for therapy, essentially. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I was like, Wait, yeah. Hopefully you got paid for the movie. Oh yeah. No, yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I got, I got paid to go to therapy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really want to get into the, um, the, the technical aspects of your visuals because your lighting is it's ominous and it's terrifying and it's really, really effective uh in so many scenes so if you can just elaborate sort of on the the choices that you made um to get the look that you wanted yeah um so i i i knew very very early on that i wanted the you know the school the fictional ancaster to be a a presence in the film and i wanted it to feel almost as if it's a character and to and to really hover over the characters and and always sort of be lurking you know and and for a viewer to get the sense that they're never far from from the weight of that institution and everything else that comes along with um and so you know in conversations with charlotte hornsby who shot the film um we talked a lot about how the camera could bring that element into the emotional experience of watching the film. And we, and we talked about this sort of very genteel, very staid, very composed uh, sort of film. You know, we, we wanted to be very sparing with handheld because it didn't necessarily feel like that was within the lexicon of the space um, and that and that we wanted to replicate this feeling of being watched from afar, oh, you yeah. know, mm. of being observed of uh, like of the some, zooms, the zooms, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, the zooms are really cool. Yeah, or even Thank just you. when other characters in the scenes turn to look at your protagonist or, yeah. or your point of view of your camera, and I, 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 at those times, I'm like, turn around, I don't want to see. <laughs> yeah. You. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, completely. You know, like looking and being looked at was another, you know, another aspect that. That I that I wanted to kind of seed throughout the film. Um, so yeah, so we we wanted to make this feeling of this predatory camera, you know, that's just, but it's taking its time and it's really just creeping up on these characters and and it will get there in the end. Um, so so that's a lot of uh, of what we talked about at the outset. Uh, that's awesome. And if I'm if I'm also correct, I believe it's Charlotte's first feature, uh, and I could be wrong on that too. But uh, your DPs, but I know that she had shot short films as well is that is that do you feel that that could be a continued relationship like you think you found your dp going forward 
I mean, yes, Charlotte is brilliant and I would love to work with her again. She's great. This actually wasn't her first feature. She worked with a, um, a director named Harula Rose on um, a film called Once Upon a River. Um, okay. But, you know, definitely an early feature and um, and, a, and a wonderful collaborator. Hmm. So we've been talking to a couple of filmmakers who've been able to who got their film into Sundance, uh, much like you did. Um, and then, of course, Sundance goes virtual. And I, I'm thrilled that you're now in South by Southwest. So I was just curious if you're going to be able to go and see it with an audience. Yes, I had to go. You know, I obviously in the world we live in, I understood why Sundance um, had to go virtual. But it's also heartbreaking in a certain sense, because I was so looking forward to the experience of watching the film um, in a theater with an audience and really being able to sense how they respond to it, what, you know, what is moving them or, you know, kind of scaring them or what are they finding funny? Um, and so I'm really excited to be able to be there in the audience at South by Southwest. Um, we're going to be playing on Monday uh, afternoon in the festival favorites section. So I'm, I'm really psyched about that. I can't wait. That's so cool. Just being in the festival favorites has to be exciting too. just being recognized as a festival favorite is great. Awesome. Yeah, are there scenes that you're particularly interested in watching with that audience? And are, are there scenes that you're like specifically waiting to hear reactions for? Because I feel like it's interesting when you talk to filmmakers, the reactions of an audience could be different than the than the intention of what you were going for. And I wonder, like, you know, in terms of your, like your expectations of watching it like that and kind of what you're hoping for. Yeah, you know, I'm definitely curious to see how the audience responds to some of the more supernatural or horror scenes. I'm, you know, I, I'm, I, I want to see, you know, because you hear from someone, they say, oh, it's scary. But you know when someone's scared and they're not scared. And so I want to see, are they tense or are they, you know, are they relaxed? <laughs> Are they, you know, are they feeling fine? Um, there, there are also some moments of comedy that are that I love and that um, that are always really fun for me. And and I'm excited to see how they play. You know, there's there's a moment towards the very end of the film um, that involves a city girls cue that comes on that the first time we uh, put that in, I basically pissed my pants. I really loved it. So I'm, I, I, I'd love to see if it's just me or if it's like, you know, if that's also fun and, and kind of, you know, surprising for, for other people as well. For sure. Um, I was blown away by Zoe, blown away by Zoe uh, yeah. and her performance. Um, she is so tender, you know, and so open. And so I just wanted to know what you saw in her during the auditions that made you realize she was the one. Yeah, that was, you know, it was really important to me and also to my producers to find somebody, to find an actor who could um, really embody this, uh, this bright light, charismatic spirit of the Jasmine who we first meet at the start of the film, who's just got a very easy way about her and is so immediately, you know, promising and young and excited um, and dynamic. And, and then also to be able to find an actor who's able to start there and then also be able to dig into all of the, like, you know, the darker parts and, and all of the, you know, the more, um, you know, the smaller, more minute, subtle kind of choices that you could make. And so we, you know, this was, pre-pandemic. Um, right. So when we were casting, we saw a lot of people in person who came in and read and we saw, you know, a lot of wonderful people, but not quite somebody who had 
who I felt really, you know, nailed the role, the interpretation of the role. And um, Zoe uh, was not New York based. So she sent in a tape, uh, you know, which, you know, they're not necessarily the ideal, you know, conditions for um, for auditioning for something. But sure. within that tape, all, everything that she had to bring just really came across so strongly. And I knew uh, from watching that, that she was really the person that I wanted to meet and that I felt really could play Jasmine. So she came up to New York, we met in person, we talked and, and it was just so clear that, that she was, she was the person. That's oh, the so girl. Or what, yeah. what is it in, in Mulholland Drive? This is the girl. That was David Lynch. Um, you know, so, uh, you, you mentioned Mulholland Drives. That, that leads me into my next question because, you know, we, we are talking to a first time feature filmmaker. I mean, obviously we, I mentioned you did shorts, um, um, but you know, while we have you now for the first time, like who are you? your like favorite filmmakers. I mean, David Lynch, I would imagine is sounds like one of them. You've mentioned Mulholland drive, but I mean, who else are you really into? Who did you grow up watching? Uh, who are you liking now that's out there now as well? Yeah. So, um, David Lynch, uh, you know, I revere, I think an, an amazing uh, creator and I really admire the way that he's able to move into, uh, you know, less logical spaces, but they're always, you always mm. feel like you're in the hands of a filmmaker who is not just throwing weird shit out there. It's, there's a grand plan, you know, and he knows, Mm. um, even if you might not necessarily, um, know, uh, uh, literally, uh, the intent, um, Michael Haneke is a big, uh, you know, uh, French filmmaker. Yeah. Who I just absolutely adore. Um, you know, I really love Cachet. Um, The White Ribbon is another mm-hmm. film that I've watched and rewatched so many times. Um, and then a lot of the classic um, horror filmmakers or, you know, filmmakers who made films in the horror space, you know, Kubrick for, uh, you know, The Shining. But, you know, even beyond, you know, the more literal The Shining, I mean, uh, Full Metal Jacket, I can never rewatched mm. especially the first half of full metal jacket which is also a horror film in its yeah. own way and <laughs> yeah. uh and vincent d'onofrio and what he goes through and the oh, it gosh. breaks my heart i skipped that half too i'll just go right uh, i'm gonna go right to like the mid the the like deer hunter like there's like yeah. two movies there too it's like an interesting it's an interesting yeah. thing they play it's with there just amazing so that and then don't look now and rosemary's baby and just you know a lot of a lot of films um in that kind of you know 60s 70s uh horror space i, I really love i loved you mentioned the shining because i honestly wrote down in my notes that room 302 is reminiscent of, of room 237 and so yeah. uh, it's so great <laughs> to hear that, that that is a reference um i wish we had more time mary emma thank you so much for for joining the ribbon podcast and uh i'm really thrilled for you to go to south by and i can't wait for people to yeah. check this movie out on amazon prime so thank you for taking the time Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. We want to thank Mary Emma Diallo for joining the show. It's a pleasure to have her on. And you guys absolutely need to check out Master. Uh, really great performance by Regina Hall, who is coming on uh, as the new dean of students at a school, a headmaster at a college um, campus. And of course, is coming into it as the first African-American headmaster uh, at this school and the types of sort of casual racism that she encounters uh, by the rest of the staff, but then also this outstanding performance by uh, an actress who I wasn't familiar with. Her name is Zoe Renee, uh, and she's the new student who is coming on board. 
and really figuring out how to fit in on a college campus, uh, how to make her way socially, but also dealing with um, what is a ghost story in her dorm room that plays out in a really fascinating way. And I can't really reveal much beyond that, so I'll keep it there for spoilers. But Master is available on Amazon and is absolutely worth your time if you have a subscription. Uh, We're going to take a break right now to get to some uh, advertising, pay for the show. Uh, But on the other side of it, we're going to be making our Oscar picks for this year's contest. So make sure you keep it right here. This episode of Real Blend is brought to you by Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Power up your favorite characters and build a team to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and even challenge other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Arena. New ways to battle with your roster are released regularly and the meta is constantly evolving. And now you can sign on for Marvel Strike Force's new Deadpool Anniversary event in order to receive a generous gift containing character shards, an anniversary diamond orb, gear, and other great items. Better yet, each week during the Deadpool anniversary, players can complete events and receive even more special rewards and skins. If you want to get in on all the fun of Marvel Strike Force, be sure to use our promo code MAXPOOL, that's M-A-X-P-O-O-L, and thank you to Marvel Strike Force for supporting the show. Okay, we are back and we're going to get to uh, what has become an annual tradition around here, which is the Oscar predictions for better or worse well yeah Uh, and unlike the academy we go through every single category uh, and we pick what we think is going to win Uh, we do it here in the moment not pre-recorded and cut into uh the main show not not hidden behind the premium wall at all we're going to do it all here right for you uh you can keep track at home by writing down our predictions kevin uh gave all of his picks to gabe so gabe is going to read for him Uh, And we're going to start with visual effects. So uh, I get to go first for visual effects. I will read the nominees. uh, Then I'll pick. Then Jake will pick. And then Kevin will pick. And we're going to rotate around because we play a little strategy to see, like, if we have the same picks for every category, if somebody deviates uh, from the board and how we can. And of course, the the winner uh, for for, in terms of things that we've done in the past usually gets to pick something for the uh, the losers to watch. Uh, and if you're new to the show, uh, that is why Kevin and I have seen the Human Centipede Part Three, <laughs> and Jake has remained unscathed. What did you uh, oh, last? What did you have last? You had the you had Lord of the Rings last year. Lord of the Rings. What yeah, did, what did I give? Kev, I didn't. I make Kevin watch yeah, Lost? Lost. You made him keep watching Lost, which, which he I never. Don't know where he is on that? Yeah, he is several yeah, I seasons in. Yeah, I think. Well, I think. I, I, I think. I only. I think he's on season three. I think I only gave him like. 10 episodes to like whatever was equitable to you watching like the length of your three Lord of the Rings was the amount of episodes that I gave him. Oh, so like a year and a half. Sean, I forget. (laughs) I forget which experience was worse. Lord of the Rings or Human Centipede 3? Come on, Sean. (laughs) Human Centipede 3. Okay. 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 Come on. Good, good, There's some craft to Lord of the Rings at least. (laughs) Well, can recognize it. So the the makeup and costume department Human Centipede 3 was probably paid very (laughs) well. (laughs) Let's get to visual effects. Speaking of, uh, the nominees are Dune, Free Guy, No Time to Die, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, and Spider-Man No Way Home. Gabe, you can pencil me in for Dune. Dune. I am also going to pick Dune, but I, I would say, too, 
not that I think it's going to win, but a movie like No Time to Die is the perfect example of a movie that could be a spoiler because it's the kind of movie that has a lot more special effects than you think it does, which by definition is a sign of good special effects when you don't even realize they're there. Like Dune is very apparent of like, look at all the cool special effects we have and it deserves to win and I'm picking for it to win. But No Time to Die had a lot more special effects than you even realize it had, um, which I think makes it a very deserving nominee. Does... Does Sorry. Nolan's quote that it's uh, oh, he said something to the effect of the best visual effects I've ever seen. Um, best like, he yeah, for Dune. Dune right? yeah. yeah. Nolan said that like it's the best representation of putting those in like the real world, like how yeah. seamless it was. Does that give that like a huge bump in the Oscars for, or does that even for matter? Kevin? For Kevin, it does. For Kevin, Kevin, it does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, it did do a great job of, of, of stuff that looked very tangible. Like I felt like I knew yeah. what a lot of things in the Dune universe like physically felt like. And it also did a great job right. with scope. Um, so yeah, I mean, very, very, very well deserved. I also feel like lately, uh, the conversation has been about how bland the Spider-Man special effects or visual effects are. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. if you're paying attention on social media at all, they're ripping the movie for the amount of green screen that it uses. And right. there's been a but conversation it, about like how lazy it is for them to like not be able to go to a park and like shoot a scene, like the scene of, of Peter and happy at May's grave. Right. And mm-hmm. my take on that is that like they're so secretive like that right. they can't just go out into and the it was also during covid shoot. yeah that's true that's also true but anyway i think they're basically saying well, the, the one I, work, I, right? I i uh the the shot that stood out to me was um who's like the the mean guy they go to school with with the shot of him at the party when he picked up the phone like yeah. was was Flash a blue Thompson. yeah that was a blue screen shot yeah like he yeah, wasn't at which, a party and no. that's that was the one where i went really like you could, but then, but then, um, it was pointed out to me by a friend of the show, Chase, that he's like, well, like they probably didn't want to risk having 30 kids on set running around yeah, and you go. Yeah. And the thing is too, if I didn't notice when watching the movie, like then isn't that mission accomplished? Yes, I think so. But not right. enough to win an Oscar is what you're saying. Exactly. There are no big what Kevin words. What Kevin, Kevin also pick? picked Dune. Cool. Okay. No, com- no competition that. here. You're going to hear that a lot today. Yeah. Kevin also yeah. picked Dune. Yeah. All right, costume design. <laughs> Uh, costume design your nominees are cruella cyrano dune nightmare alley and west side story and jake you get to go first this time uh i'm gonna go cruella i mean i feel like the the moment that i mean so much of that movie is about fashion and the moment that she's on the back of the uh the the garbage truck yeah and that that dress unfurled i thought to myself it's gonna be tough beating that yeah, I know. I the only one I would probably counter with is West Side Story, but I mm-hmm. think I have to go Cruella also here because you're right. I mean, the one of the driving narratives of that film even existing is for the the yeah. fashion that they that they worked into it. So, I'm going to going to mirror you here and say Cruella. And Kev? Kevin also picked Dune. <laughs> <laughs> There's potential here for for Kevin to uh uh, to take a lead, he picked okay. he picked Dune. He picked Dune as well. For costume, Dune ain't gonna win costume. Uh, it could, it could. It's not going to. But it, yeah, okay, all right. Well, you're but right, it has, David, it could. It well, has a world. Could. <laughs> it has a world in so many different like societies of people that it had to yeah. build out with costume. Uh, whether it's the Fremen or it's the Atreides or it's the Harkonnen or it's I feel like there was another okay. or the, some okay. of the Imperial like guards and stuff. There's a lot there. I've, if it were my call, it's a wash this year. Dune takes everything. 
Well, yes, you're you're kind of biased for that, but I understand where you're coming from. Yes. All right. Let's move to makeup and hair. There's makeup and hair styling and your nominees are coming to America. Cruella. Dune. The Eyes of Tammy Faye and the House of Gucci. Makeup and hairstyling. I get to go first this time. And I'm going with Tammy Faye. The Eyes of Tammy Faye. I think Jessica Chastain's uh, the work that they did on Jessica Chastain to make her look like Tammy Faye Baker alone is going to earn her or earn that team uh, the Oscar for makeup and hairstyling. Jakey? I also... I'm going to go Tammy Faye, which is kind of a shame because I feel like it should go to Dune. I feel like what they what they did with uh, the Baron Harkonnen is is absolutely genius. And I got to be honest, I don't think I, I even whenever I saw the film, whenever, whatever, months ago, I didn't think the makeup in Tammy Faye was great. Um, mm-hmm. So I, it sucks, that, it, but it, that, that seems to be the direction that we're that we're going in on this one. So unfortunately, unfortunately, I agree in that I'm also picking Tammy Faye. OK, where'd Kevin go? Kevin went with Dune. (laughs) (laughs) Did he really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, if we get to like the acting categories, (laughs) he just goes Dune. Dune. I I stand behind it. I stand behind it with my boy Kevin. Well, okay. Okay. uh, I guess he doesn't. They're not going to give the damn thing best picture. Give it everything else. That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. I don't care. They're also. They're also not televising all of it, and that shouldn't be how it works. Yeah, but like Jessica, Ch- like I, I think even Jessica Chastain is so confident that it's going to go to Tammy Faye that she's she's skipping the red carpet interviews to be able to go into the auditorium early to watch them deliver the best makeup Oscar. Oh, I, I thought you were going to say she's going to go in early and get all the makeup done. And get all That's the Tammy I Faye makeup. With also. <laughs> <laughs> I would watch that. Um, all right, let's go to music original song, uh, and your nominees are. Be Alive from King Richard. Music and lyrics by Dixon and Beyonce Knowles Carter. Dos Oroguitas from Encanto. Music and lyric by Lin-Manuel Miranda. Down to Joy from the movie Belfast with music and lyrics by Van Morrison. No Time to Die from the movie No Time to Die with music and lyrics by Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell. No relation. And Somehow You Do from Four Good Days Music and lyrics by Diane Warren. Jake, you get to go first. I, I'm, I'm of two minds about this one um, because I think it's going to be between one of two songs. Uh, Encanto, obviously incredibly popular. And by winning, it would conclude Lin-Manuel Miranda's EGOT. Mm-hmm. And we know that, that the Oscars love a good narrative anytime that they there's do. a story behind it. That True. being said, um, this Bond songs have a history of winning this mm-hmm. award and this True. is the last bond movie um uh, in in the daniel craig era and mm-hmm. i just feel like that is a bit of a stronger case and also within Canto, like that's not even the most popular song from the movie mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and and lynn's been up for oscars before for an Oscar that would have completed his EGOT. So I don't think that's quite enough to get people to vote his way. I think and he's going to keep contending. Yeah. I would say he's not going anywhere. So I feel like um, because of that, I'm going to vote no time to die. Uh, those are all valid. Uh, I was going to say, should I be giving out my reasoning? Like, I don't know if I, if, like if I giving out my, no, I like well, it. I think it's fantastic. You're giving out your reasoning for the folks at home. We got to make okay. it an entertaining. Sure. Show. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, am this first time you and I are going to break. I'm going with Encanto. Uh, that's a, that's a very real possibility. That movie is 
so popular. Um, Michelle, obviously, you guys know, works in an elementary school, and she says that uh, the student body there is obsessed with Encanto. They talk about it all yeah. the time. And while how many of them are on the academy? None. <laughs> None. Uh, well, actually, I don't know who's to say. Uh, but while you're right, that might not be the best song in it. I think that there are people who are going to want to uh, reward the music from that film and and go with the song that was nominated. Uh, and I think you're 100 percent right. I think they love the narrative of uh, honoring Lin Manuel Miranda because his better film, uh, Tick Tick Boom, this year is not going to get anything. Well, that's not true. I might have a little ace in my sleeve when we get to that in a little bit. But um, yeah, I'm going with Encanto. So Jake and I have split. And now there's a chance. Dude, to Kevin chose the song Dune, Dune from Dune. <laughs> from Dune. <laughs> Paul, was it, was it called uh, Paul's Departure? What is it? What is it? Paul's, what, I think it's just Paul's theme. Paul's, Paul's Dream. Paul's, Paul's Dream. Dream. That's, dream. That's right. So uh, Kevin's doing a ride in. <laughs> He's doing a ride. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, no Time to Die. Kevin went with No Time to Die. Okay. Which All I think right. makes sense. I feel like they want to see Billie Eilish as many yeah. times as they can on stage. So Which is funny that um, I'm kind of amazed when it comes to like people they would want to see holding an Oscar. I would. I'm surprised Beyonce? that Beyonce isn't a bigger like contender name. Didn't Could she be have a, sleeper? a chance with the Lion King song? Did she get the Lion King song? I don't think even yeah. if she was nominated, was she? I'm not sure. I know that song only God, I've, I've, tried to, I've tried to block that movie out of my mind. Yeah. Uh, all right. We're going to move on to music. Original score. Which is a category yeah. you'll be able to hear about on Twitter. Not correct. <laughs> on TV. And here on Real Blend, yes. where we care about movies, <laughs> uh, you have Don't Look Up, his original score. Don't Look Up, Dune, Encanto, Parallel Mothers, and The Power of the Dog. Uh, I go first this time. And give me Zimmer. Give me Hans Zimmer yep, for same. Dune. Same. Um, I Kevin think, went with Power of the Dog. <laughs> Kevin, Kevin went with Dune as well. It's a Dune okay. across the board. All right. Dune I across mean, the board. John guys... Greenwood could could take that, right? No. I feel like Dune, I mean, Zimmer's been, Zimmer's been pretty a lock. Did you guys see the the, uh, the live performance they did? I did. Where he's I shredding guitar. It. You haven't seen it? Oh, really? That's he's awesome. like shredding guitar. That's great. Um, you know what else I saw is that moment that he told us that he loved us yes. on Real Blend. He said that we are, uh, what did he call it? What was the thing? It translated into, I love you guys. Show friends. It was show show, show show business. It's show friends. Yeah, yeah. Show friends. Friend of the show. He said it himself. He's friend of the show. He actually did. The only guest to ever call himself a friend of the show. Wouldn't that be hilarious? Like, if he thanked us, but we didn't get to see it because they didn't (laughs) air the Oh my God. (laughs) Oh, we'd riot. We'd riot. But that's the bit of the montage that they show where he's like, my friends on Real Blend. We're like, wait, what did he say? Oh, they they cut away right before he says it. My friends on a writ. And then it cuts to the yeah. next. <laughs> my, my favorite podcast. And next up on the Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> we'll never know if it's us. All right. Uh, production design. Here are your nominees for the category. We have Dune. <laughs> Big night for Dune. Dune Nightmare Alley. The Power of the Dog, The Tragedy of Macbeth, and West Side Story. Production design. I'm going Dune, baby. Uh, you're going Dune? Going Dune, baby. This is hard. This is hard because I could easily see West Side Story or Nightmare Alley taking these. 
Um, I don't see Nightmare Alley as much of a contender on Sunday. Yeah, as much as I'd love it to be. It's a good movie. Really but good. the production design in it is amazing. Pretty exquisite. Like if if it's folks in this category who are voting on it. I'd be hard pressed to see them overlooking it. Um, but is it the sort of thing where and I don't agree or like this way of thinking, but we have this sort of this sort of tone over the Oscars. Yeah. If Guillermo hadn't won. So recently, would oh, there sure. be like a fervor to be like, let's get let's get a Guillermo project up there on stage because right. he's such an incredible artist. But maybe without that, there's not this push, even though it's a great film. It's just underappreciated and it doesn't even have that. We want to see Guillermo well, on stage push. And let me ask a question, though, too, because is it going to be weird to see Dune theoretically, as we're all saying, picking up all of these under the under the line category? I mean, I mean that's categories what happened and with then uh, not get best picture. I mean, that's what happened with Mad Max. Yeah, but Dune's a better Dune's a good Dune's a good movie. Sometimes you just deserve to be punched in the face. No, didn't you take that back? Didn't you just say that you were wrong? Yeah, didn't you, just, didn't you just love it or something? Let, no, no, hold on. Yes, I might have said that, or I might have just said I was I wasn't as uh, I shouldn't be as hard on Mad Max as possible. But here's the thing: right. I'm reading that book about um, the making of Mad Max. That How Cosby is it? Cannon just put out. The book is really good, uh, and it's super in depth, and um, the format. It took took me a little while to get used to. It's truly like an oral history where it's just like this person said, then this person said, then this person said, you know, right. with like yeah. sound bites from each of them. So I've been rewatching uh, Fury Road in order to kind of keep up with how it's going in the book. And I've reached the point of the movie where I lose interest completely, which is uh, after they have basically reached the point and now it's nighttime and everything's washed in blue and the truck is stuck and they're trying to get it out of the tree. And that's when I was like, it's not that interesting anymore. Like I kind of lost interest in it. So now I'm, I'm backpedaling back to uh, it's overrated. And what's your production pick, production design pick, pick for this year? Give me Dune. Dune. Me Dune. Yeah, Kevin also Dune. picked Dune. All right. It's, Dune, it's a Dune sweep. I'm not happy about that one though. Cause I feel like that's and pick something else. Make it interesting. <laughs> <laughs> or you uh, lose a point. Or I, I know I'm more interested in, in winning than I am with going with my heart. Okay. Sound is our next category. Uh, and for that, we have Belfast. Dune, No Time to Die, The Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. Jake, you're first. Jake also picked Dune. Uh, Sean also picks Dune. Kevin picks Dune. Yeah, God. How many? We, we, have, we haven't really disagreed on much. It's going to be it's going to be close. It's uh, going to be very so, close. So far, makeup and hair and original song. And are Gabe, where, if I know yeah. this is a weird time in the middle of our predictions to break down, <laughs> that, but is, is but is there a point system to it in terms of like one category is more valuable than another? No, no, I've thought about that of like trying to figure that out. Like our are like below the line yeah. stuff worth more points because maybe they're like uh, eh, not worth it. Yeah. They're just all worth one point. OK. All right. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. If someone right. at home is a mathematical genius, can write up an algorithm and tell me the best way to do it, I'm happy. To, to I feel like someone that, in our someone in our audience is is kind of that way. We've maybe had people suggest like spreadsheets. Yeah. Uh, early on in the history of the yeah. show, I have like seven spreadsheets in front of, of me at the moment. Let's get to uh, film editing, a category that largely predicts what's going to win best picture, and so maybe use that to determine what you're going to choose because your nominees in the film editing category are "Don't Look Up," "Doom," "Try Not To," "King Richard," "The Power of the Dog," and "Tick Tick Boom." Film editing. Sean's up first for this one, right? Oh, I'm up first. Give me "Tick Tick Boom." Yeah, I think Jake I think went tick, first tick, twice in a row. Could be wrong. Oh, oh really? did, I, did I mess it up? I'm sorry. No, no, you didn't. Yeah. You're good. It doesn't matter. Give me tick, tick, boom. Okay. We're editing. Uh, I'm going to go Dune. 
Ooh. Yeah. I'm gonna go Dune. I'm gonna go Dune for editing. Kevin also went with Dune. Yeah, he oh did. Oh my god. Come on, Kevin. Also Kevin. Went with Dune. <laughs> and uh yeah. yeah. I mean, it's hard for me to to argue. Gotta mix it up a little bit here. All right. International <laughs> so far, feature film. So, hang on. So far of his <laughs> of his eight categories, seven of them have been Dune. <laughs> and one of them was Tenet, weirdly enough. <laughs> yeah, he threw Tenet in as well. They're just now recognizing it. <laughs> they finally figured it out. And <laughs> they're giving it an Oscar. Oh, uh, international wow. feature film. Your nominees are Drive My Car, Flea, The Hand of God, Lunana, A Yak in the Classroom, and The Worst Person in the World. Jake, I'll go first again because I think you uh, trumped me and I will go with Drive My Car. I will also pick Drive My Car. Does Worst Person in the World have some buzz? I feel like I've seen people talk about it, but Drive My Car seems like... It, it does, but it's but running I mean, away with the competition. Oh, my. Well, I mean, the, you say that, but like the one photo that they use for worst person in the world is the picture of the girl <laughs> running down the street. That's like apparently the one graphic yeah. that the studio released for that for uh, that movie. Uh, what, what did I, he, I didn't even think about it. I think, Sean, you asked a question one time in an interview with someone where you were like where you mentioned like the three photos that were. Oh, it was for uh, for Fresh when you were when we were talking to the director and you asked her. Oh, yeah. yeah. About like the three photos. that been, and I, I, I didn't think about that. Like whenever you so often see the same pictures, it's like you guys really kind of release more photos than that. We had a running joke about um, the Captain America Civil War trailer mm -hmm. that the only photo you had of Spider-Man in the MCU for like a year was him holding the shield. Yep, yep. <laughs> so we and we wrote about that a lot. So anytime we did, we had to Insane. use that. Yeah. Remember how? Remember how amazing <laughs> that was to be like, oh my god, Spider Man's holding the shield, and then you yep. think about how Endgame had like everybody holding everybody's yep. shit. <laughs> I mean, I mean just, you just think about like how far we've come from like Nick Fury walking in at the end of Iron Man to like yeah. us being like, oh my god, Captain America is holding Thor's hammer. Uh, it's, it's boy, I can't wait quickly. for more Marvel movies. It's Hello, it's become a it's become a, a drug. It's become a like oh I need more Marvel. I need that sensation. I watched four episodes of a Moon Knight television show. <laughs> like, who mm. would have thought that that is a possibility? Uh, more on that next week. We'll discuss that it. It exists. Week. It's out there. All right. Documentary feature. We have uh, Ascension, Attica, Flea, Summer of Soul, or when the revolution could not be televised, and Writing with Fire. Jake, uh, I'm going Summer of Soul. I am also going Summer of Soul. Uh, Kevin also picks Summer <laughs> of Soul. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> Have any of you seen it or are you just going with the sort of the the I'm safe pick the of the narrative? The buzz? Yeah. I, yeah. I watched it. It's on Hulu. It looks great. It's, Is it great? It's terrific. Oh, yeah, it's fantastic. It's on my list. Um, and it's really uh, someone brought this up in a in a review of it where they said like, how did we not know that this event took place yeah. kind of thing? And it's a great, um, I think I also just read recently about Scorsese lamenting the fact that, like, any film made in the 20s and 30s is just gone, right? It's, it's like this absence of history where, like, if things haven't been documented, uh, that there's a possibility that you just don't even know that they happen kind of thing. And there's significant things like uh, uh, these performances or these movies that could just be lost time. And so in a, in a world where we as a society document everything of irrelevance, yeah, right. uh, we need to put a little bit more emphasis on stockpiling our archives of important stuff. So uh, that's, that's my soapbox rant for today. Uh, documentary short subjects. Here uh, we don't need nominees. to do that one. We don't do the oh, shorts. We're skipping it? Yeah, 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 yeah. We've done them in the past. 
Not the shorts. Yeah. Gabe says no. I you don't get it. Our, our <laughs> next category are cinematography. No offense to people who do the short films. I just know you guys haven't seen them and we're just, what are we picking? Yeah, that's, that's fair. I okay. have to choose right. by choose by Exa- name. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. Cinematography. Which, I, well, let me say while we're on the subject of shorts, I believe I've, I've plugged this before. Yes. I do go see the shorts. Um, typically every year, the way that they run them, like art house theaters will run them. You can go and see all of them in a block. Yeah. Um, and they even the one, the theater in my market um, spaces them out so that when one ends, the other category begins. So me and a friend usually go, I recommend it to anyone. It's a really fun time. You get to see a lot of cool stories and it's often, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a, there is no one track to becoming a filmmaker, but it's a great track for people to become feature filmmakers. Um, and you see these great, these great stories and it takes you, you know, a few hours, like a double feature. I would uh, laugh really hard if you managed to see all of the shorts and none of the best picture nominees. Gave. I haven't, I haven't gone to the shorts yet. Uh, <laughs> okay. I have to look and see if they're doing it this year. Last year was a wash, obviously, but yeah. Um, yeah, it's great fun. Cool. I, Is it I like AMC it or someone does it? Is it like one of the chains that does it or maybe they do it there. I know AMC does their whole, like they have like an artisanal section. Yeah, um, yeah. but th- for me, it's just, uh, it's this place called the Tivoli. It's a local art house theater, um, that puts on independent films and, year of a24s kind of thing cool cool uh nice. all right let's move on to cinematography a category that we are all very invested in uh and this one could whew, this one is not easy all right so uh kevin picked dune we have nightmare alley <laughs> kevin picked dune. Uh, <laughs> we have nightmare alley dune nightmare alley the power of the dog the tragedy of Macbeth, and west side story and uh i think i go first do i go first sure yeah 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 Give me Janusz. Right. Ooh. Uh, this is this one could go a lot of different directions, but I'm I'm gonna go Dune. Okay. And uh Kevin also went Dune. Of course he did. <laughs> I think that there's a lot of people who have really woken up to the beauty of West Side Story. Recently. That tweet helped. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, like Everyone's but also, on board I mean, Power of the being... Dog is also a massive contender there. Well, actually, I thought the black and white cinematography of Tragedy of Macbeth. Yeah. I thought this might be one that Power of the Dog gets, but she it seems could. to be getting directors, so maybe there's not the like. The cinematography places. in Power of the Dog is actually really It's beautiful. gorgeous. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, but, but give me Janusz. The house, and, uh, and, and, and the way that they framed a lot of the shots using like the barn and, and the and barn and doors and windows yeah. and stuff like that is, is fantastic. All right. We're getting into our screenplay categories and we're starting with original screenplay. Uh, so we have Belfast. Don't look up. King Richard. Licorice Pizza. And the worst person in the world. Best original screenplay. Jakey. Take us away. So I think there are two different narratives here. Mm-hmm. Actually, there's I, like five. They're all yeah. narrative films. <laughs> well done. Okay. Um, I think there is the Paul Thomas Anderson is long overdue for an Oscar. And mm-hmm. there is the Belfast is long overdue for an Oscar. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry, not Belfast. Kenneth Branagh. Um, I am going to choose Belfast. And my reasoning behind that is... Um, for the WGA for original screenplay, uh, don't look up one Belfast mm-hmm. was not eligible. So that should have been an easy gimme 
for licorice pizza and mm-hmm. it was not like that should have been right. an easy way if, if it's truly just between licorice pizza and belfast that should have been an easy win and the fact that it didn't win wga makes me think that maybe that screenplay doesn't have quite the support from the the writers guild as uh, as we think um and i think then if that's the case Belfast has got to win something you would think you know it was such a it was a, it, yes it peaked way too early and as as movies during Oscar season tend to do but mm-hmm. this could be sort of the like look we gotta you know maybe we're not going to give you all the awards you thought you were going to win but here's something and also like Kenneth Branagh this is his eighth nomination I think like it, the man the man deserves it by this point so I'm going Belfast I am too uh, and largely for the reasons that you talked about um because and i've watched a lot of the oscar uh experts mm-hmm. quote unquote and the minute that don't look up one they all said in unison oh okay well that means belfast is gonna win the oscar mm-hmm. which oh, i wow. found really interesting mm-hmm. and uh while i do agree with licorice pizza because of the paul thomas anderson of it all as much as kevin loves that movie um the script is pretty rambling you know mm-hmm. like it's it's kind of like we call it like a bit of a, a hang and, and a mood picture. But like Tarantino's um, Hollywood was a hang in the mood and that script was flawless. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's all written into the script. Yeah, I think. exactly. Whereas I feel with PTA and, and, and maybe it is all in his script. I don't I'm not sure. But it felt like the approach to that picture was a little bit more laid back. Whereas, you know, he's out of the screenplays that are dialogue driven, you yeah. know, uh, more focused. Um the only thing I wonder if the worst person in the world ends up becoming because everyone talks about how extremely funny it is mm. and and the character characterizations in it are really, really strong, too. But um, I'm going to go Belfast as well, too, here. So uh, I did Kevin go licorice pizza. He went Dune somehow, even though it's not original. <laughs> no, <laughs> he, uh, he went with licorice pizza. Yes. Yeah, okay. I figured he yes. was. Kevin is an enormous fan of that film. Loves that uh, film. After revisiting it multiple times. I love when he catches on to a movie and uh, really I, I both love it and hate it because it. then because whenever I, I <laughs> whenever it comes to me that like Kevin's really sinking his teeth into a movie. Yeah. The way I interpret that is Jesus Christ. I'm going to be hearing about this for the next six months. <laughs> yes. <laughs> six months. He still talks tell, about tell uh, me I'm wrong. Yeah. Six months. Uh, we're gonna be hearing about Oppenheimer for two yeah. years. <laughs> <laughs> He's just filming it right now. Uh, All right, uh, that brings us to adapted screenplay, where we find the nominees are Coda, Drive My Car, Dune, The Lost Daughter, and The Power of the Dog. Um, I'm up first. Sean is up. That's hard. Um, give me. Shoot, that's not that's not easy. Um, I'll go the power of the dog in that one. I'll go power of the dog. Jake, Jake, where you at? I'm going to go Coda. Um, This this is this is where we start veering in terms of like the direction we think the night is going to go. Um. And uh, obviously the the director of Coda was not nominated for best director. And I think this could sort of be used maybe as a makeup for that. Because she also because she also wrote the screenplay. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Um, Kevin went with the power of the dog. There we go. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Where are we there then? Animated feature. 
find the nominees. We're moving along this year. Moving along. Here are your nominees for animated feature. I'm writing my picks down as we go, too. Uh, Encanto. Flea. Luca. The Mitchells versus the Machines. And Raya and the Last Dragon. Uh, give me... God. This is great podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, while he's thinking... Raya and uh, Mitchell's versus the Machines feels like they came out two years ago. That's fair. They feel like they came out. I'm going to be completely honest with you. Morbius feels like it came out two years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it kind of did. You know, it almost did. Yeah. Give give me Mitchell's versus the Machines. Okay. Jake, do you Uh, have yours on tap? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to take Encanto. Okay. Um, This is where Jake wins. I, I just feel like that has a little bit more of a vibe going for it at the moment. God, this is where Jake wins. Kevin also went with Mitchell's versus the machines. Yeah. So this this is is an opportunity for Jake to take some points where Jake wins. Honestly, this is where it loses. You can look at it that way. Have you listened to the show before? Note that for (laughs) listeners, let's see how this, let's see how this ends Uh, up. Well, what won it for me? Oh, last year I won because of my octopus teacher. That was when I won. Is that it? Really? Because we were very close up to that point. Actually, I can can look right here. I have it in front of me. Let me take a look. All right, while you're doing that, I will do supporting actress. Your nominees are Jesse Buckley, The Lost Daughter, Ariana DeBose for West Side Story, Judy Dench for Belfast, Kirsten Dunst for The Power of the Dog, and Anjanu Ellis for King Richard. Jakey, you go first. Uh, I think DeBose is maybe the easiest pick to make uh, for the entirety of the Oscars this year. I would agree 100%. Kevin, Kevin also Jones Kevin chose the, <laughs> the worm from Dune. Uh, worm no, from no, Dune. no. There's an easier one. There's a definitely an easier one. Okay. Okay. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll get to it in, in a heartbeat. So uh, what did Kevin went with DeBose? Also? DeBose, yes. Okay. Uh, actor in a supporting role. Your nominees are Kieran Hines for Belfast. Troy Kotzer for Coda. Jesse Plemons for The Power of the Dog. J.K. Simmons being the Ricardos and Cody Smith McPhee, the power of the dog. I am going with Troy Hotzer. As am I. As did Kevin. Okay. Okay. Uh, actress in a leading role. Your nominees are Jessica Chastain for the eyes of Tammy Faye, Olivia Coleman for the lost daughter, Penelope Cruz, parallel mothers. Nicole Kidman for being the Ricardos and Kristen Stewart for Spencer. Jakey, Uh, I'm going to go Chastain. And Uh while I do think that all four acting categories are pretty close to locked, Uh um, this would be the one I would say has the biggest chance of an upset. Not that I think it's going to happen, but um, if you had if you told me one of the four acting categories is not going to go the way you think, I would say I bet it's going to be actress then. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to go Chastain. Give me Kristen Stewart. Oh, there we go. What a turnaround. He started with, there's no way they'll, they'll give it to her because she said she doesn't care. And now I think she, now he thinks she's going to take it. Rallying. I'm rallying behind (laughs) Kristen Stewart. Here we go. (laughs) Kevin, um, Kevin also picked Jessica Chastain. Okay. That's where I live. So this is where, this is where (laughs) Sean can get some points back. I could get some points back or widen the gap. <laughs> she wasn't nominated for SAG. Is that correct? That is correct. 
So this is where her her actor body uh, gets behind the acting body uh, community. The, the body of, of actors in the community. That's, get behind. that's one way to convince yourself. Yeah. Yes, I yeah. will. <laughs> so, so, tell me, tell me more about how the group yeah. that didn't even nominate her for an award is going to be the same group that gives her an award. Tell, explain that. I'm looking forward can to, to seeing that. Can I change? No, can I change? he's acting, baby. I can change. Can I? Wait, can, uh, can I change? Uh, sure, I don't care. Ah, come on, double down. You already lost because of uh, animated feature. Give me Chastain. Give me Chastain. Oh, no. he's going to go with Chastain. Oh, no. Oh, lame. Yeah. I can't. Lame. I can't. <laughs> lame. I can't. What, I can't. what happened to Ra- you? You had your rally towel. I did. I hope, I hope she wins. I that, hope she wins. That, <laughs> I hope she that wins. That was the shortest, like, like rally defensive. <laughs> <laughs> like, like uh, it's, me, not, it's not even like we finished recording the episode and you let it sink right. in for a few days. Like, let we me, didn't even uh, get on to the next category. Hold on, uh, Jake, I'll put it into terms that you that you would understand. Uh, in the middle of making my pick, uh, some guys were slamming their trash can lids to warn me <laughs> off of uh, selecting. And hey, Kristen and what Stewart. happened to those guys? They won a championship. Uh, did they, though? Yes. Right. What's that little? I forget, I'm confused when I look up the standings. What's the little? There's a little. Do you mean to send? I send this article <laughs> to everybody. Do you mean to send you the article that breaks down the history of all major it's baseball teams cheating? Don't they call it the Astroix? <laughs> Who right, wrote actor, that? The coach? Actor, actor in a leading role. Let's get the actor in a leading role. Javier what? Bardem uh, for being the Ricardos. Benedict Cumberbatch for The Power of the Dog. Andrew Garfield nominated for Tick, Tick, Boom. Will Smith for King Richard. And Denzel Washington for the tragedy of Macbeth. I get to go first. This is the other slam dunk that I was referring to earlier. This is Will Smith's category to lose. I agree. And you know what? I'm going to be like, I, I want to see Will Smith up on that stage holding an Oscar. Like that's, that's an image that I'm very happy with seeing. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. But Andrew Garfield gave a better performance than he did. I'm sorry. I would even argue that in power of the welcome, dog, welcome to the Cumberbatch might've, but yes, but this is, as Denzel Washington said to Will Smith at one of the award shows, this is your year, my friend. But you're not upset to see Will Smith win an award, I'm sure. Not at all. Not exactly. At all. It's Will Smith. I'm very happy for it. Yeah, I, I should have won it a while ago, I would yeah. say. Uh, all right, we're at director. Director, do you go, Really quick before we move to that, do you remember the year Pacino won? Like, what, what do you remember? What I mean, were you following the awards? It was the early 90s. Were you following yeah. the awards closely enough? And, and yeah. was there that vibe of like, this isn't the one he should be winning for, but he should have an Oscar oh, by now kind of thing? 100 percent. Yeah. Yes. Everyone felt that way, including him. Like, he you think knew. so? Oh, yeah. I'm not saying that that he probably felt that he didn't deserve an Oscar for that performance. Sure. Um, it's a it was a very popular film. Um, but. You know, that's the reason why hoo-ha is kind of a joke, you know, is that (laughs) it's not a representation of his best performances by any stretch, largely because he has 10. Right. That 10 performances that could be argued some of the best performances of all time. And he wins for Scent of a Woman. So, um, you know, it was kind of what what if he had won for Godfather Part Three? Oh, Lord. Like, like, that, like that'd be such a that'd thing. be such a weird thing where it's like arguably his best role. But like, that's the Godfather you'd want to. Yeah, yeah. Give it to him. For. That's so yeah. uh, that's interesting. That would be a shame. He says about his own question. <laughs> All right. Uh, directing. <laughs> <laughs> you have uh, 
Kind I wanted to see you do that mid-interview. <laughs> you asked someone a question. Actually, never mind. That's good. Yeah, well, that's all. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've thought that a couple of times. I'm sure. Uh, let's see. We have for directing. We have Kenneth Branagh nominated for Belfast. We have Ryosuke Hamaguchi nominated for Drive My Car. Paul Thomas Anderson for Licorice Pizza. Jane Campion nominated for The Power of the Dog, and Steven Spielberg nominated for West Side Story. Jake. My turn. Uh, this is actually what I thought you were referring to when you talked about the slam dunk. Uh, I oh. think I think Campion is a stone cold lock. You didn't think Will Smith? No, Will Smith, too. But but whenever you're whenever my whenever you said something about like, oh, there's another lock, my my mind went to. Oh, my God, that's right. Campion is. Yeah. But no, Will Smith is a lock as well. Actually, like I said, I think the, I think the, the four acting categories uh, and director are maybe the most boring categories this year. They should have put those off air. <laughs> We're not, we're not, we're not going to show Will Smith getting his Oscar, but we will show you best sound. I really want to go with Spielberg here. Ooh, I do it. I really want to go with Spielberg here. Do it. I don't think it happens. Do it. Shut up, Gabe. It do it. Either. Sorry, it's definitely going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen either. Um, put me down for Jane Campion also. You're in the Jane Campion camp? You're in the Jane camp? Kevin Thank chose Denis. Thank you very much for playing the role of Kevin in today's episode. Um, uh, Kevin sorry, also picked Jane Campion. But this is going to be one of those categories that we do on a premium one year. And we're going to say, how on earth did Steve? Well, you guys didn't love it, right? For West Side Story. Which one? West Side Story? No. Uh, oh, oh, you're talking about how did he not win for West Side Story? I how did uh, he not win for West yeah. Side Story? Is what we will say. I uh, I I uh, voted for Spielberg for CCA. Did he win? No, he didn't. I'm just saying. Like I <laughs> like. Does Sam Elliott uh, get to vote in the Academy? He does. That's one down. Certainly. That's one down. Yes, that's one down. There are so many things wrong with with, with Sam Elliott uh, Sam Elliott's <laughs> argument. Yes. Um, but but one of the the smaller issues I had is his, is him complaining that they filmed this western in like New Zealand. New Zealand. Yeah. And it's like has it, has he never seen a Sergio Leone? Yeah. Film like or just go tell that to Clint Eastwood himself. Yeah. 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 <laughs> tell, tell Clint Eastwood that they have to be filmed. Yeah. All right. uh, oh, Sam Elliott. Sam right at the end of the night. Uh, most of the categories have been handed out. We're at best picture, which I assume is not going to be read by Warren Beatty this year. They're going to get somebody who can read the card. And we have uh, for nominees Belfast. Coda. Don't look up. So weird to say. Uh, drive my car. <laughs> Dune. King Richard. Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. Those are your Best Picture nominees. Jake, where are you at? I'm going Coda. Oh, wait. Oh, you're going Coda? Yeah. Sorry. Um, I, I, think, uh, I think it's just hitting at just the right time. Um, yep. and you know, it's, it's, it's all about that short, what is it? Week window where, uh, Oscar voters are voting and 
in a weird way, it feels like a lot of Oscar voters didn't even discover Coda until after the nominations came out. Like, I, I think if they were to redo nominations, I think we could get I think it would have gotten a director nomination. I think Marley Madlin, I think Amelia Jones would be uh, much more involved. I think editing would have been a, a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it just I mean, the best thing it has going for it is that it hit at just the right. And we talk so often about movies that peak too far in advance. You know, they pull a, a social network or a star is born uh and and you know you could make you can make the argument i mean and even it kind of feels like belfast did that this year where it, it peaked a little bit too early um and it's not so much that power the dog peaked too early but they didn't quite peak right at the right moment quite like coda did hmm. interesting um i'm going with power the dog because for coda to win uh i feel like the academy would have to do the right thing uh, yeah and the academy doesn't do that at all <laughs> Uh, rarely, if ever. Uh, and the director split director picture split while it has become more, uh, it's happened more often mm-hmm. recently. I still think it's, I still think it's pretty rare. Um, I think that there's a, a, a decent amount of older Academy members who will connect with the Western element of the power of the dog in a way that, that Sam Elliott did not. And they will appreciate uh, the craft that goes into it. Um, and you know, for a long time, that movie was really was considered the front runner. And I know you talk about peaking too soon, and yep. but it was the front runner for a reason. Like there's I plenty mean, of people who really statistics do love it. are on your side, and and, yeah. it, and it does seem strange that a movie um, that was nominated for twelve Oscars would only, based on my predictions, um, only walk away from the night with one award, it being best director. Um, right. But it does feel like all of these statistics that we've been using over the last really three to five years mm-hmm. have started falling by the wayside. Like there, there seems to be a lot less rhyme and reason to it. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like, you know, if, 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 if you shoved a, a million dollars in chips over to my side of the table and said, pick one. Yeah. Safe bet would probably be power of the dog. Sure. I just feel like, past few years we've gotten the parasites we've gotten the 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 shape of waters mm-hmm. so it it's started we've gotten um you know it's just starting to feel like they're thinking outside of the box so so power of the dog is starting to feel like a roma to me okay where um it you know it gets it gets director they they appreciate the 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 craftsmanship that went into it uh but don't ever award it either way i think we're about to see a streaming service win their first best picture yeah for sure. Absolutely. Um, and to me, that's also a factor in this. Mm-hmm. Netflix has been hungry for an Oscar in a for best big, picture bad Oscar way for yeah, an Apple. I still feel is just like happy to be here. Yeah, <laughs> this is great. Thank you so much for the nomination. Because so, they've also got Ted Lasso. They do. Yes, they do. Um, yeah. But that cast, you know, when they won SAG, uh, it was a great story. And, and their reaction was was went viral. You know, and everybody was very, very yeah. happy for them. Um, and so and you're right, it is peaking at the right time. And so it's very possible it could ride that momentum. There, there's an interesting comparison being made that that if it is accurate, works in your favor, which is the Little Miss Sunshine comparison. OK, which is that I, I I'm trying to get exactly Little Miss Sunshine won the SAG. OK, um, it was nominated for Best Picture, but didn't get a Best Director nomination. OK, um, it won screenplay and supporting actor. Alan Arkin, which you Alan Arkin. And yeah. then went on to lose Best Picture. To what? Do you remember? Uh, I want to say The Departed. Oh, the really? Departed. Okay. Um, yeah, I believe it's The Departed. 
because he was a co-op. But that was. But then again, <laughs> the reason I feel like that's not an accurate comparison is is right. that was always going to be Marty's year. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. the Departed came into that award season. Basically, it's like if you're half good and do well at the box office, give it to Marty. Okay. Right, so so it's it's a, it's an interesting comparison but i don't think it's quite the exact same there there's not quite a oh it's campion's year quite like it was it's scorsese's year for sure yeah the the yeah i, I see what you're saying with that um where'd kevin go kevin went with coda hot damn that's what i'm talking about yeah, that's good for well me. you don't want him to because that would be yeah, yeah. points that you get yeah that's but a, he lost a, like eight others it's a very okay. good chance that i just pulled hey, don't head, talk about buddy. dune like that sticking with tradition <laughs> yeah so. i didn't pick dune yeah, if he really loved Dune, really he would pick it. It's my pick. Wait, wait what is your pick for best Dune. picture? Dune. Okay, what's your pick to win? Uh, Dune, I refuse to accept reality if it loses. <laughs> is, that, is that why you got a Roma poster behind you? Yeah. You like, you like surrounding yourself with best picture losers? It's got uh, hey. one, you know, it's one it there. It lost. What are you going to say? It lost. It lost. And, it did and, lose. And drive, too, right? The nomination is the win, Jake. Is it that? Very true. <laughs> I feel like with Dune, they're we're gonna wait for the Dune Part Two, and they'll give everything to Dune Part Two. Dunes, right? Dunes, Dunes, Dune. I still think it's gonna be Dune. That'd be great. That takes us to this week in movies with uh, three films that are not eligible for this week's uh, Academy Awards, but could contend uh, for the Oscars next week. But we're starting with a, an HBO Max movie next year. Oh, next year. I'm sorry. Yes, yeah. that's what I meant to say. Uh, hey, 20, they've been they've been messing with that window. Yes. <laughs> Very true. Very that true. would be a shocker. Uh, starting with HBO Max's film Moonshot. Um, I know nothing about this. It's a rom com set on yeah, Mars. Yeah, it's kind of a kind of a young adult romantic comedy. It's about a um, you know the 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 things that young kids are going to have to deal with in the future, which is long distance relationships, but uh, from one planet to another. Uh, and um that's so yeah yeah i kind of like that yeah all right uh the lost city is also coming out did you get chance i did city? i did oh what'd you think of what'd you think of it i thought it's a it's it's a very good version of a movie you've seen ten thousand times before i mean it's mm -hmm. it's it's you know it's it's very I, this is such a, a demeaning adjective but it's it's cute the chemistry um is is very strong between channing tatum and, and sandra bullock um daniel ratcliffe i think makes it for a really strong villain and i think he's doing making really cool choices post potter i think the biggest thing working against it is that unfortunately brad pitt is the best part of the movie and yeah. when he leaves the movie there is kind of a oh this isn't as good as that stretch of time that brad pitt was in and it's yeah. to yeah. no fault of of anyone else but it just feels like it kind of goes back into sort of generic adventure rom-com um, i would have loved to see the version of this where he was on that adventure yes yeah yeah that would but, have been very entertaining but you know how much um, could they really get to the point in the story that they want to get to with him there i get that but it's yeah i agree yeah it's perfectly fine. What are you, you pointing at? Daenerys? You, see, you see my dog? No. Can you not see her in the frame? Oh, I see her in my frame. Now I see her. Yes. She's <laughs> now I see her. Sweet girl. Um, yeah, I thought it was perfectly sweet. Um, yeah. You know, great example, like, like you said, of, of a movie. Some will argue and some are saying that they don't, they don't make these types of movies that much anymore. Uh, and, and I think that that's fair. And if you sure. enjoy romantic comedies like this, you know. It's an okay version of one. Yeah, I get I get the whole like, okay, it's romancing the stone and they don't make romancing the stone, but that's such a very specific type of rom com to say they don't make anymore, to be like, they don't make rom coms in the jungle anymore. Like <laughs> also sure. romancing the stone. Was it seven days and seven nights is the other one? Seven days, oh, six Lord. nights, six days, seven, seven nights. Harrison Ford and Anne Heche. Yeah. Do people had 
zero chemistry. <laughs> I liked that None. movie. I remember Dude, liking really? it as a kid. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I as a kid, I was in twenty years. Yeah, exactly. Romancing the Stone is not um, a romantic comedy in any way, shape, or form. Like that does not. It's qualify. got the word romance in the title. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It and does not the matter. Stone. It's not dramatizing it's, the stone. It's what are you getting at? Closer <laughs> to to an Indiana Jones film than it is. Uh, it's Zemeckis. Like it's Robert Zemeckis doesn't make a. He's not making a romantic comedy. This is Nora Ephron for God's sakes. It's a. It's a legitimate. Robert Zemeckis is adventure. one of the most eclectic filmmakers working today. Don't yeah, don't say that like he can't make a rom com. Well, I'm not saying he can't. I'm saying he chooses not to. I mean, sometimes Except he makes. I mean, he often makes like masterpieces, and he also made Back to the Future Three. Back to the Future Three is fantastic. How dare you? Keep those words out of your mouth. Uh, Would you guys agree, City though, it's worth opening. seeing? I think it's worth seeing. It's fun. If you're in for that tone and... In theaters? That I think you make on your own. That's a, that's an investment. But it's fun. I think if you're... For me, like, there are times where I want that tone. I want sure. that sort yeah. of popcorn-y. I want to sure. see Sandra Bullock doing Sandra Bullock. Sure. Her chemistry with Channing Tatum um, yeah, is yeah, great. Yeah. And I think it's if definitely that's... definitely not bad. Sure. If you see yeah, the trailer and you're bad. like, I, I want to see that kind Took of movie, it does it. It does it great. <laughs> it's not bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. The couples will go out yeah. and see this together because they haven't gone to see anything together sure. in a while. Nothing's sure. compelled them to go. They're not. Going that would to be Batman. such a great story for this weekend. What's that? If it crushes and it's like, yeah, it's the number. It's the date movie this year. <laughs> it's like no one's been to a movie. It's yeah, so that'd be terrific. Yes, that'd be, that'd be good, great. Good for it. Um, OK, so let's get to the Daniels uh, and everything everywhere all at once. Starring the brilliant Michelle Yeoh. Uh, and Kihoi Kwan and Jamie Lee Curtis, an unrecognizable Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, and the outstanding James Hong, the legend of James Hong. Uh, this film is unbelievably good. Uh, and I kind of feel like um, you want to skip forward a few minutes <clears throat> if you don't want to hear spoilers about it, because it's very hard to to discuss it in any great detail without giving away at least enough stuff. So, yeah, Gabe, take your headphones out. Uh, I'll say this much. It's a multi it's a multiverse movie uh, of sorts where Michelle Yeoh uh, is playing um, a wife and mother uh, who owns a laundromat with her husband. And during a visit to the IRS where they are being audited, uh, she learns that there is a threat to the multiverse, to to the other universes that contain different versions of her character, Evelyn, uh, and that she might be the only version that can help uh, restore all the uh, restore all, everything back to normal and away from the chaos that is sort of uh, collapsing in on itself from those worlds. That's the most basic premise, essentially. Uh, and where it goes from there is truly outstanding. Um, it It is a marvel of storytelling in the way that I have no clue how they kept it as streamlined as they do because it's extremely complicated, but I was never lost. Mm -hmm. uh, it's masterfully put together. I, one of my comments coming out of it in South by Southwest was that it should be the front runner for best editing. Yes. Next oh year my God, at the yes. Oscars. There will, there will, whether it wins or not, there will not be a better edited film this year. No, um, because it jumps it jumps all over the yeah. place, which is something that we say about films that are usually messy and choppy. But I, I want to jump into just to the point you're talking ahead, about, please, uh, because yeah. one of the things I liked a lot about it is um, there were moments where I felt like I might be lost for a second. 
Yeah. And then a character in the scene expressed that they too were confused about what was going on and okay. that it was resolved in such a way so that both that character and then I were made to understand what was going on. So it even Absolutely. felt like that Daniels had such an understanding of the, what was going on in their moment that they probably not in a like ex, annoying exposition way, but kind of a like, OK, this might be getting a little complicated. Not saying that that's yeah. why they did it, but like sure. every single moment I found myself worried that I was losing the narrative thread. Right, Someone right, else right. expressed their confusion for me in the film yep. and I was brought back in. Yes, exactly. Um, and I can't like I, I want to sort of tell you like the direction that it's supposed to go in because of the different themes that it gets mm-hmm. to and the uh, amount of like truly like big picture life th- stuff that it talks about. But I even feel and, and tell me if you think I'm wrong, like even getting into that type of stuff gives away. Yes. A little too much of what the movie's trying to yeah. trying to get into. And, right. And, and and there's so many. And I, well, also, too, is I feel like it might be a disservice to the film because there are so many individual aspects of it that when trying to explain out of context. <laughs> uh, when trying to YouTube yeah, watchers. Yeah, this is it. it please. It, it, this is all the more reason why you should watch these things on YouTube um, yeah. for th- there are so many individual moments that if I were to try to explain out of context, you you would right. go, wait, I'm sorry. What? Like if I were to be like, oh, that really sweet moment when the characters have hot dogs for fingers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're going to go. Yeah. I'm sorry. What? Um, or, you know, or if I were to say that, that really insane moment, um, with the butt plugs, you're going to go, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. What? Uh, So, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those, but like, it's one of those things that like, it makes total sense. I hear, okay. I have a question for you. Yeah. Is Spider-Man no way home. The best thing that could have happened to this movie. And what I mean by that is it, it was kind of a, crash course spark notes introduction for a lot of average audience members on what the multiverse is and this takes that that concept which spider-man kind of just by comparison dipped its toe into and this dives into the deep end of the pool for sure i i I give everything everywhere all at once enough credit that i still think it does a really good job of explaining what's happening that if we hadn't seen no way home yes we still would have been able to be like, OK, I get what you're saying. Sure. There's multiple evidence. Sure. And to her credit, Michelle Yeoh plays each version, you know, of the yeah. different Evelyn's, because yeah. for people who you know haven't had a chance to see it yet, like in one, each of the different variations of the Evelyn's are sprung from choices that she made over the course of her life. Mm-hmm. And so if one kept her on the one direction that led her to become the co-owner of this laundromat, you learn that like one decision sent her in a different direction where she became a famous singer uh, and one sent her in another direction where she became something else. And she figures out all of these and the way that the movie explains it, you're right. It helped to see no way home and, and more casual viewers could be like, Oh, that's what the idea of the multiverse yep. is. But I also do think the movie does an incredible job of sort of setting up what it is. It's also one of the most visually exciting films mm. that I've seen in an incredibly long time. I made this comparison in the, tweet that i wrote afterwards i felt like i was watching the matrix for the first yeah. time and i i both agree i agree with you on that but then also i feel like i have to explain because because i've also been i mean the the the, the go-to line i've been telling everyone is like it's if a24 made the matrix yeah like okay. you know a24 you know the type of films a24 makes 
imagine if they made the matrix and that's kind of what this film is um but i also kind of feel like what at least what what i took from that from your tweet about the matrix because i remember seeing that um a few weeks ago whenever you tweeted it from south by and going like get the hell out of here come (laughs) on but then i felt like i saw it and went oh the way the way i interpret it and the way that i agree with is that it just made me think about life and the world around me differently 100 percent. yes exactly um Yes. And also the technical, some of the technical aspects, oh, yeah, of the, yeah, way yeah, that, yeah. the way that fight scenes are shot, like Kihoi Kwan has this incredible fight in the middle of this movie yeah. in his dad clothes, you know, yes. and uses a fanny and pack also, and everything. His, his, his performance, I would argue, worthy of a supporting actor Oscar nomination. Absolutely. Just yeah. astounding. Absolutely he's, astounding. He's really terrific. They're yeah. all everyone in yeah. it is great. Obviously, from what you can't tell from this conversation, Jake and I highly recommend. This. Yes. And we're also uh, holding a lot back. Like I would oh, love dude. next week. I would love to once Gabe's had a chance to see it and Kevin's back. I would love to do more of a deep dive um, okay. spoiler conversation about it. Yes. I'm All doing right, a, so. um, I'm doing a, like a 20 minute sit down with the Daniels um, next That's week amazing. on Wednesday, which I'm just just beyond jacked about. Oh, my God. I can't wait to listen to that. That's going to be great. So I hope we get another screening of it here in the market because it's definitely one of those movies that uh will be rewarded with multiple viewings and so uh we'll be talking more about everything everywhere all at once um for the next few weeks and probably through the year so that brings us to our blend game for this week and we are going to celebrate uh, you might not remember this because it's been a while since we had a show and that's true. reminded you <laughs> that we're doing honestly hashtag- whenever i saw the the real blend tweet i was like oh that's right that is who we're doing yeah yeah hashtag penny when i get excited my voice goes up like eight octaves oh that's right yeah so I'll go first uh, because mine's a little bit out of the box pick because, yes, she's a filmmaker, um, but I am going to celebrate her work as an actress, uh, which is allowed. And I'm going to go with Laverne and Shirley yeah. because yeah. Um, it's a show that it, it's, if you didn't live through them, I'll mute Jake during Jake this. is. Thank you very much. Wait, do we do we Jake, have the rights to that song? Never. We, why would not? That cost us a fortune. So I know that Jake is too young to have lived through the Laverne and Shirley. I just sang the song. But that's what that's part of my point is how iconic that show is that even someone of your youth would would know it to that extent. Like Happy Days, Mork and Mindy and Laverne and Shirley like dominated television at a time when well, granted, there wasn't a ton of stuff on, but they were really, really popular. (laughs) And it was because we had three whole channels. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Laverne and Shirley were just terrific. Uh, they are their comedy timing. Uh, they're like the deliveries of what they put together, the the way that they per- portrayed um, Midwesterners, mil- people from Milwaukee, uh, that wholesome sort of down home uh, sitcom type personalities. Uh, back when sitcoms were sort of the, the dominant form of storytelling on television, uh, so much of that goes back to what Penny Marshall uh, and Henry Winkler and Ron Howard and 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 the casts who put those who put those films together. Cindy Williams, obviously playing uh, Shirley for Laverne and Shirley. They were iconic. Um, and it was one of those it was one of those deals where, like, when Laverne and Shirley showed up on Mork and Mindy, it was very similar to um, Samuel Jackson showing up at the end of Iron Man. <laughs> like, you would be like, oh, my God, Laverne and Shirley were on Mork and Mindy. And it was a huge deal that, like, they just showed up at the beginning of the thing. Um, so I thought her work in that 
has to be celebrated uh, in the fact that we're doing a Penny Marshall blend. She goes on to become an amazing storyteller, uh, an amazing director. Oh, similar. Would you compare this to like a similar trajectory to like a Rob Reiner who was like Absolutely. meathead for so many years and then became a filmmaker? Yes. And I think that that they both came out of that very specific age of people being even surprised. Ron Howard. Like hell, Ron Howard. Yes. People being surprised that that talent that you predominantly knew from television uh, could go on and become filmmakers. And that's mm-hmm. not like, why are we surprised by that now? They're just they're talented people. Yeah. If you give them the opportunity and the stories. Um, so, yes, Penny Marshall, 100 percent fits into that class. Um, but I loved her. I thought she was so fantastic on Laverne and Shirley. Such a funny character. Such great comedic timing, uh, wonderful, wonderful chemistry with Cindy Williams. And uh, I'd be remiss if I did not talk about how much that show meant to me as a kid growing up and how much we just enjoyed um, gathering around the old TV, (laughs) the one TV in the house uh, for appointment television, which kids don't know about anymore, and watching a show when it was on at a specific time, (laughs) uh, like Laverne and Shirley. So I'm actually going to go back and find it's got to be on YouTube. I want to find the Mork and Mindy pilot because... A, it's Robin Williams. And I just want to see kind of what he was like back in the day, uh, trying to remember that performance. But I'm t- Laverne and Shirley showed up in the Mork and Mindy pilot. That's why it's a way to help know that. launch that show. And I'm telling you, that was like, you know, clear your schedule. You got to be yeah. in front of the TV when that happens. So that's my that's wild. Penny Marshall blend. Yeah. Uh, Jakey, where are you going? Uh, I'm choosing her work as a filmmaker. Um, and as much as I love big, I'm going to go with the league of their own. Hmm. Um, it just, I mean, it, it was it was always going to be something she did with Tom Hanks. Mm. But I feel like, you know, big is and I don't mean this in a bad way, but like it's the Tom Hanks show. Like mm. it's it's Tom Hanks and and, you know, and, and Robert Ledger. But 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 it's the Tom Hanks show. Um, League of Their Own, I think, is one of the best ensemble casts of all time. It's and, and it truly it truly feels like there are three or four actors in that movie. You could make the the, the argument that they're the lead. Um, But it's also so many of the secondary actors are so well performed and fleshed out and given like their moment Mm -hmm. that you could ask a hundred people, who's your favorite character in a league of their own? And you might get five or six different answers, you know, because because that's how many great character, you know, you know, obviously you've got you got Gene Davis, you got Tom Hanks, but then like with Madonna and and Rosie O'Donnell. And I mean, everything about that movie. Yes. Oh, my God. Um, and, and also just it's an incredible story, it's just a phenomenal story and such a, yep. a, a specific slice of uh, of American history. Um, it's one of the greatest sports movies of all time. It's one of the great acting ensembles of all time. It yielded so many, you know, the, no crying in baseball, like what you can't. I remember even being uh, when I was at the Field of Dreams game last year and I heard someone shout that. I was like, wrong movie. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, but that's how that's how like it's it's bigger than the movie itself now. Um, and, and, and the rankings of iconic Tom Hanks lines, cause I was thinking about this. He's got quite a few. Where do you put, there's no crying in baseball. Second, probably Second. after a box of chocolates, uh, box of chocolates. Is, yeah. yeah. I would assume. Yeah. Be. But what, um, okay. Where do you put uh Houston? We have a problem up there. Um, yeah. Potentially and then, third. Uh, yeah. And then, third, and I then I think, I think batting cleanup is, uh, is Wilson with an exclamation mark. Okay. Yeah. Does he have I a guess. toy story quote? Uh, you are not a you toy. Are, yeah. You are sad, strange little man. No, that's Buzz Lightyear. That's Buzz. That's yeah. Buzz. You, you are, are not a toy. A toy. Oh, Your you are a toy. Yes. Play thing. You are a toy. 
Uh, that's a great. We should do Tom Hanks blend Tom, or yeah. Tom Hanks line blend one time. But I, like I think no crying in baseball has to be has to be up there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Be, but is it the one that is? It. But is it is it prolific in that? It often just goes unattributed to Tom Hanks, like because it's such a like American baseball. That, well, it's line. Gotten, that's the thing. It's gotten bigger than it's gotten bigger than itself. Yeah. Like like there yeah. are probably people that use it without even knowing that it like where right. it's from. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but the, but the best part of the line is a, a part that doesn't really get attributed, and it's like him starting and stopping and taking the beats to try to figure out what's going on yeah, with yeah. him going like, "Are you?" And then there's like a beat. And he goes like, "Are you?" <laughs> are you crying? And then he kind of like looks around, like he's trying to comprehend. He goes, there's no crying. And then there's like another beat. Like it's, it's to me, the, the moment is the whole thing. It's not just that line. It's him. It's him building up to that line, which is fantastic. Do you agree? That That's direction. It's direction by Penny Marshall. Who's, yeah, uh, who's leading him through. So, uh, let's throw to Kevin's pick. Kevin I have a pick as well. Pick? I have a pick as well before oh, we go to Kevin. No, yeah, wait, 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 we're like 184 episodes in, and now all of a sudden you want to play the game? Well, no, we're when I'm on, I make picks. Picks, but go ahead, please yeah. lead the way. No, I always make a pick when I'm on. I begrudgingly make a pick, but I make a pick. Um, okay. For me, it was pretty simple. I don't have as much um, affection for her as an actor. By the time I was watching her, you know, I wasn't there for Laverne and Shirley, and a lot of her acting was like these guest roles that were like. Um, she was on Entourage. She was on Entourage. Um, <laughs> entourage. But she, I do. Um, a League of the Rhone is great. I don't have as special a connection to A League of the Rhone as I do with Big, which is my pick. Um, yeah. There's the Tom Hanks of it all. As, as Jake mentioned, it's the Tom Hanks show. And for me, you know, for me, like whenever I was cognizant of movies and watching movies, I was never surprised by Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks was just one of the most incredible people alive. I had <clears throat> I had Big. I had Money Pit. I also had Toy Story and I had, you know, I mean, well, even like Saving Private Ryan, like I had that whole, he was just, he was just every, he was kind of could do anything. Mm -hmm. Um, And so big is important to that. But more importantly, I think for me, it's, if not the earliest, it's one of the earliest examples of a film where I felt like I was watching a movie that I wasn't old enough to watch. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. rated PG, but it feels like a movie that like shouldn't be. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like a young movie. It feels it it's a fun movie, but it can be dark and it can be um sort of adult in the in the way that it handles things. And I very I vividly remember watching that for the first time and being like creeped out by the uh, the thing in the carnival or whatever. I can't yeah. remember what that guy's yeah. called. Um Zolt, Zolt, the great Zoltan. Zoltan. Yes, the great Zoltan. I'd be creeped okay. out by that and then some of the adult overtones that were like going over my head, but I could tell that there was like more going on there. It was a, it was, it had a big impact on me as um, someone who was falling in love with films of like not understanding everything that was happening in front of me, but also feeling like I was getting away with uh, watching something that like, you know, I shouldn't be. Um, And even to this day when it comes on, when I watch it, I, I, there's this weird feeling that I get internally of like discomfort is the wrong word, but it's that, it's that feeling. It's that feeling of like, Oh, this feels edgier than it, than it is um and i'll always love that film for that and her for for bringing that direction to it so and and also um gabe i feel like for someone like our age who grew up with tom hanks as this dramatic actor yeah um and and didn't grow up with him 
in that that very long stretch of time where he was a hilarious comedic actor, Big is a good like gateway to that other period of his career. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. like for a younger audience, they see Big. They see a different side of Tom Hanks. Maybe they're not used to. And then people can go, well, you know, he did a whole decade in a sitcom where he was doing movies like this. Could he ever go back to that? Do you think he has any any ability to go back and do a comedy like that? I mean, I feel like, you know, when he goes back to do Toy Story, he is doing, you know, he's he's doing a version of that. Okay. Um, I, I, it's a different type of comedy. I, I know he, he, he tried with lady killers. I, I put the fault at that more on the, on the Coen brothers than I do Tom sure. Hanks. Cause I, I do find his performance in that kind of interesting. Um, I, I think so. I think he has it. I think he has it in him, but also I like, right. I, like he, I would love You're to right see him. Speci- Woody, Go ahead. Because with, with his comedy, it's, it's, it was very yeah. energetic. Yeah. yeah. Like splash and big and movies yeah. like that. Were well, just- Cause when they, you know, the whole story behind uh toy story, when they were trying to explain, Toy Story to him at a time where that type of animation was not known. They did yeah. a very rough sketch of Woody and they put his audio from uh, Turner and Hooch oh, okay. uh, in, in Woody because it was that kind of inflection. It was that very That's high funny. pitch, like, come on, Hooch, like that very, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, yeah. I specifically would love to see him do like Money Pit is one of my favorite movies of all time. Oh, I love the and Money that Pit. tone and that humor in Money Pit. I love I would yeah, love yeah, to see yeah. him return to that. Mm-hmm. You know who I'd pair up with? I want to see Tom Hanks and Michael Keaton both yes. go back and do yes. both go back and do a comedy. Because I feel like they just don't get the opportunities yeah. that much anymore. And they both knocked it out of the park back in just the day. Just put them All both right, in the picks. new Beetlejuice. That's what we'll do. Yes, I would watch. That's great. That'd be terrific. I, I can't uh, believe I just said the phrase and meant it genuinely. I put the I put the fault at on the Coen brothers. <laughs> you did, but for that movie. That deserved. movie, I, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, deserved. Uh, Michael Breen went with Awakenings. Rachel Ho mm-hmm. said Renaissance Man, and when Rachel said that on Twitter, I thought she didn't direct Renaissance Man, and then I went back and looked, and sure enough, she did. I um, I did, I interviewed Mark Wahlberg recently, and he was talking about how big of a deal Penny Marshall was to, to his career, and I, in the moment, was kind of ashamed because I was like, "What the hell, Penny Marshall movie was Mark Wahlberg in?" And apparently, he had he has like a bit part in Renaissance Man. Oh, no kidding. Really? And that's kind of the like was like that was before he did the movie Fear. Apparently, like he, he really credits Penny Marshall with like <laughs> taking him seriously and not just an underwear model and a rapper um, right. and, and treated him like. It. Yeah. So, yeah. Renaissance man. Well, uh, Amanda Young, Joel McFarlane and so many others uh, went with a league of their own. I mean, I saw nice. that one mentioned over and over again. And a lot of people put really personal uh reasons why they went with a league of their own they have fond memories of it or watching it with somebody who was very important to them so that was definitely a really popular pick um we're gonna have some fun next week yes and now before we get to next week's pick we can throw to kevin oh i'm sorry kev you have a pick kevin picks know what it is All right, guys, sorry I missed the show this week, but I wanted to submit my blend game pick for Penny Marshall blend. And, you know, it's interesting because I was just interviewing Mark Wahlberg recently for uh, Uncharted, and he was telling me a great story about how Penny Marshall was a huge uh, help in his career initially when he started. And it's funny that we're coincidentally doing uh, Penny Marshall blend now because I was interested in to know, like, that whole story between her and Mark Wahlberg. But in terms of Marshall, uh, you know, as a director, I'd have to go with Big because 
when I was a kid growing up, my whole family was from New York, and I wanted to go to FAO Schwartz all the time. And I remember, like, Big was a big deal because obviously the piano sequence in FAO Schwartz with Tom Hanks, and it's just an iconic sequence, one of the probably one of the most famous scenes in cinema history. Um, but at the same time, that scene. That scene is great. It's not the best scene in the film, though. It's the most iconic scene in the film, you would argue. But that, that film just has so many great emotional and comedic aspects to it. But in terms of my personal preference, F.A.O. Schwartz was a big deal for me as a kid. So I always just loved that scene and, and, and the idea of Hanks' character be, being a kid, essentially. you know. And, and that, to me, has always resonated because I'm... 38 years old, and I still find myself to be that kid who would hop on that piano and do the same thing. So um, I love that scene. It's an iconic moment, and uh, FAO Schwartz will always be a special place for me. I don't think it's even there anymore. They renamed it or something, but that's my pick for Penny Marshall Blend. All right, as I was starting to say, uh, we are planning to have a lot of fun next week when we play hashtag Jared Leto Blend. In honor of Morbius finally coming out of the theaters. Okay, does it have to be a movie? <laughs> it has to be Morbius. No, the answer is Morbius. <laughs> it has to be Morbius. It has to be Morbius. Yeah. What do does you mean? Have, Are there movies that he doesn't acknowledge? He, a reporter once tried to ask him about being in the movie Urban Legend, which I actually yeah. like that movie. And he was yeah. like, I wasn't, I wasn't in that. And the reporter like thought it was like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like you're in Urban Legend. He's like, no, I'm not. I'm not. I've never heard of that movie before. That's very and strange. It's like, what do you? Because I'd never well, heard that story, and I mentioned Urban Legend to him during morbius and he acknowledged it yeah he did <laughs> yeah well I maybe he was trying like, to be funny maybe he was know, like yeah, maybe he's like it's an urban legend that i'm an urban legend maybe he's just a punny guy but that also that also goes back to and I've, I've never actually read the interview but i always heard that jennifer aniston doesn't acknowledge that she was in leprechaun why not? Come on. Yeah, well, well, I mean, exactly. It's, it's got like, so much like, love yeah, now. Like, yeah, and like George, like George Clooney makes fun of like him and like himself in Return of the Killer Tomatoes. And also, Urban Legend has one of the greatest opening scenes of any horror movie ever. Urban Legend's mm-hmm. awesome. Urban, that, that opening scene where is that the, the guy, gas station one? Yeah, the gas station. And he's, t- yeah. he's stuttering. And he's oh, trying to get dude, his words I, out. I will get creeped out to this day. If that thought enters my brain yeah. while I'm in my car yeah. alone yeah. at night, you know, you know, I'll who that be like is, uh, the gas station attendant. No, I don't remember. Voice of Chucky. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. You guys Someone's have totally in the- lost me. Okay, so I've there's never the- seen- can I tell- Oh, can <laughs> I tell you what it is? Urban Legends. Is, is, well, yeah, if anything, yeah, YouTube, the, up, the, the opening scene, the opening kick, because it, it came out like in that, like, remember after Scream, like, there were so many different like, last summer slasher or, movies yeah, yeah, yeah. and, like, who's sure. the killer? And sure. this was another one that came out. And it ends up being, like, a fairly generic, like, slasher movie, but the opening mm-hmm. scene. Is fantastic, like like uh, not quite scream level kill, but like oh my god, it's so good. And yeah, it does. It, it, it when I hear that song, that song that's playing, and when I am like, if I'm driving along, which I haven't done in a long time, but if I'm driving along, I and I do think of that scene, I always go, oh. you're in an Uber, freaking yeah, out, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you are the person in the back seat, yeah, yeah. All right, well, hopefully someone picks Urban Legend next week for. I now I have to. If he doesn't acknowledge it, I pick yeah, it. Yeah, right. So we can keep talking about it. All yeah. right, drop us a review on Apple. Pa- uh, Apple Podcasts, and please leave us a rating on Spotify. Uh, our next premium episode is going to be a double feature episode of the March Mailbag. And again, you can get access to premium all the Real Blend premium episodes by going to CinemaBlend CinemaBlend.com backslash Real Blend Premium. It's good to be back, guys. Uh, you can follow us on social media at Jake's Takes. At Kevin Whoa. McCarthy TV, at Daenerys.com, uh, at Sean underscore O'Connell, at Gabe Kovach. And the show is at Real Blend. We'll talk to you guys next week. Oppenheimer. Uh, Occupeds. Oh, Jesus Christ.
Howard the dog. <laughs> Howard oh. the nearest. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.